BFM 89.9. My name is Daryl Ong, and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. After eight long years primarily serving in the youth development of Malaysian football, Australian coach Brad Maloney is leaving the country by mutual consent, heading back home in a piece of news FEM announced a couple of weeks back. He's going to be serving as the head coach of the under-17 Australian team and the decision to part ways was after a post-mortem on the national youth team's performances at this year's Hanoi Sea Games and the under-23 Asian Cup in Uzbekistan. Brad Maloney's side barely finished outside the medals at the Sea Games and were bottom of the group in the Asian Cup. That being said, Brad Maloney has a storied and successful stint here in Malaysia where among his accolades he helped oversee a famous 2-1 victory at the Asian Games in 2018, beating a South Korea side that featured Tottenham Hotspur attacker Song Hyung Min. Players like forwards Lukman Hakim and Safari Rashid and more recently Mukari Akchmal and Quinton Chang all prospered under his tutelage. He's a man who spent his entire playing career in Australia, playing for professional A-League clubs such as Perth Glory and Newcastle Breakers and playing international football for Australia alongside the likes of Mark Viduka. He started his time here in Malaysia as an assistant to national senior team head coach Tato Ong Kim Sui and then was appointed the under-19 head coach in 2019 before holding the responsibility as the national under-23 head coach. Brad Maloney joins us on the program this evening and we kick-started the conversation by reflecting on his time here in Malaysia. Look, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure working here the last eight years or so. Um, you know, I came over in 2014 with really no expectation. I came over as uh, Dr. Ong Kim Sui's assistant and I really thoroughly enjoyed working under him and uh, with him and you know, I see him as my mentor uh, when it comes to, to football coaching, particularly over here in Malaysia. Mm. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure and the privilege of working with Malaysia's best talents, I can say. You know, from the early days, uh, working with the players such as Gary Stephen, Robert, or Adam Noor back then. And we, we had a stint with the senior national team where we were working with the likes of Hazwan, uh, Amri Yaya, Safi Sali, for example. Yeah. Um, and there was a successful group that came through. We had the two, 2018 Under-23 Championship with the likes of uh, Safawi and Akya at the time. It was great. Um, and then more recently, of course, uh, with the new brigade, the likes of uh, uh, Harif Haikal, Zikri, Lukman, Arif Ayman. I've had the pleasure of working with Ajmal, Nika Kif, Hadi Fayad. So... Mm. Um, look, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And as I say, it, it's been a privilege for me to work with such talent here. Mm, yeah, you talked about your relationship with Ong Kim Si, obviously a renowned Malaysian uh, football coach. Um, yeah, you work closely with him, but also there were some rumours, Brad, that you might join him in Sabah. Is there any truth to that? Look, I I mean, I'm obviously very close with Dr. Ong. I mean, I consider him my family now and we, we spend a lot of time together over the years and traveled a lot together and uh, spent uh, Christmases and mm. Chinese New Year's together and things like that. And um, when I uh, had time after the AFC tournament here in uh, for Malaysia in June, um, I did go to Sabah to visit him and have a bit of a break and, and spend some time with him and his family. And 
there were some discussions about the possibility of me, possibility of me joining. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I was approached by Football Australia to, to handle this job. And I just felt that was the right move for me at the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, Brad, I want, to talk, I want to take you back to before 2014, right? Prior to coming to our show, you spent all your playing career in Australia. Uh, what were some of the things, I guess, that you had to adapt to when you reached Malaysia, you know, in terms of footballing culture, footballing style, things like that? Yeah, I think um, whenever you move to a new country and, um, you know, you, you have to adapt to the culture and uh, you have to be somewhat flexible, um, you know, you, you can't come to any new place and, behave like a, like a bull in a china store type of thing and, uh, you know, break the place up to, to suit yourself. I think you have to adapt and you have to respect the, the culture and um, the mentality of the local players and staff that you're working with. So, um, but I, I found that an easy transition um, and I've been working with some good people all along and some good players all along. So, mm. uh, for me, um, it, it wasn't difficult. Um, and, and for me, it was actually a great learning experience and, great for my professional development so I thoroughly enjoyed that little bit of a change. Mm. A youth development in football in Malaysia is pretty much synonymous with the NFDP right um, and you know much has been said over the years about that program but it turned out to be a fruitful ground for you Brad you know in terms of uncovering the next new gem right Lungman Hakim for example is a, bi- is a product of the NFDP what can you say about the level of youth development and competition here in Malaysia? Look I think at, at youth level, Malaysia are very good and I think the system that's in place right now is quite good. I think they're doing a very good job there in uh, with the NFTP and obviously AMD Academy and um, you know uh, just last week I, I travelled to Yogyakarta to watch the AFF Under-16s tournament and uh, I, I thought Malaysia was one of the best teams there actually. Mm. Um, they played some very good football, very entertaining um, it was a bit of a shock that they didn't really go through and progress to the semi-finals. But uh, there's some good talent there, and um, you know, if if this talent is is managed properly over the next five to ten years, then Malaysian football is in good hands. Mm, for sure. Um, over your eight years, though, I'm sure there's been as much as been the ups, there has been downs as well, right? What is what is some of the challenges been when it comes to you know uh, football youth Malaysian football youth development? Look, I think um, it's safe to say um, at, at, at the youth level or the underage level, if you like, um, a lot of the tournaments uh, outside the FIFA windows. And what you've got now is that um, we talk about the under-20s or the under-23 age groups. Um, the majority of those players are regular first-team players with their clubs. And, um, you know, um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to... Um, uh, have all the players at, at um, international tournaments and um, it's important and it has been important for me for the last few years to maintain good relationships with the clubs and the coaches and um, constant communication with the technical directors so that um, you can come to some common ground. Of course, mm. you know, you you don't want to disturb the clubs and you want to have a great relationship with them. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've always said that the public deserve to see the best team playing for the country as well. Mm. Uh, you, you famously uh, at the recent tournament in this, uh, the SEA Games and the AFC Under-22 took, only took, um, you, you allowed three uh, overage players, right? But you famously took just um, the, the kids. I mean, maybe that's preparation for the SEA Games, but um, was that a, a deliberate decision on your part? Yeah, look, for me, um, I don't think you should, you should sacrifice 
youth development or development purely to win at all costs. Hmm. And when we planned out the year, I mean, we had um, after the SEA Games, we had the AFC tournament virtually back to back. And uh, prior to um, then uh, postponing the Asian Games, the Asian Games is also on our calendar for September, but it subsequently was um, postponed. But going from the SEA Games back to back into the AFC, where you're not allowed overage players, yep. um, I thought it was. Um, good for the players' preparation to have only under 23 age players. And uh, if we look even further, I mean, from day one, my aim has always been to take this group to the Paris Olympics. So, um, you know, uh, although some overage players probably would contribute to the team and assist the team to a certain degree, I think it was great exposure for the younger ones and it will put them in good stead looking forward to the Paris Olympics campaign. Mm, yeah, winning is not always the most important thing, right? It's essential, but not always the important thing. Look, of course, you always want to win. And, of course, and, yeah. and the, the public definitely want you to win, of course. Um, there's a, always that expectation, and that's great. But um, for me, this cycle was not an Olympic qualifying cycle, and the next one is. So, uh, you know, I'm pleased to say out of the group that we had in the AFC tournament in Uzbekistan, there's 14 or 15 players that are still eligible for the next cycle. And, uh, you know, for, for Malaysian football, I think that's that's a good thing that these players have had that exposure and that international experience. For sure. Um, Brad, I want to get your thoughts on uh, grassroots development, grassroots football here in Malaysia. Do you think that we lack amateur social leagues? Look, uh, for me, I can simply say the more games, the better for young players. Uh, it's, you know, I've, I've always said to players that I've been working with here, regardless of the age group, mm. um, that they've got to play games. And, um, you know, the more, the better for me. Um, I think there there is room for improvement in that regard. Um, but, you know, we must encourage players to play more. And, you know, you see in other countries such as Japan, for example, or Korea, young kids are playing 40 or 50 games a year. So, uh you know, that's where you would learn most of your, your football education is, is through games like that rather than just training or whatnot here and there. Mm, yeah, playing is one thing, but also you talked about education and how important it is when it comes to things like physical training and dietary awareness, etc., etc. During your eight years, have you seen it improve in Malaysia? Yeah, I believe it has. Um, definitely when I first started, there was, uh, you know, some lads who... Um, diet was, was, was not one of their priorities and probably never had the, the education for a professional athlete. So um, I, I believe that has changed a lot. And I even see in, in the clubs now that um, there's a lot, of, a lot more emphasis on, on the dietary requirements for footballers. And, um, you know, the, the more that players can get educated, the better. Mm. I'm talking a little bit, Brad, about the synergy between um, youth development and also the senior team, right? Um, the synergy is of the utmost importance, isn't it, when it comes to the, the conveyor belt of uh, footballing talent? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? You know, um, were, were you in discussions with the newly minted coach, uh, Kim? Yeah, look, when, when Kim first arrived, we had several discussions and we, we talked often about players and um, the progression from, from the under-23s to the first team, if you like. And for me, it's pleasing to see that, you know, four or five under-23 age players uh, were in Kim's squad for the Asian Cup qualifiers. And yeah. again, I think that's testament to the success of the development programs and, um, and the pathways that's provided for them. So for me, uh, that's great. And 
you know, if I look back over the years, the players that I've worked with, you know, also with Dato on Kim Sui um, since 2014, um, there's been a, a large number of players that have come through the under-22s and graduated, if you like, to the first team, the senior national team. So mm. I think that's fantastic for Malaysian football. For sure. Uh, moving away, though, from local talent, naturalisation has been you know, part and parcel of modern-day football these days. And having worked with local youngsters, do you see this as a good thing for the future of Malaysian football? Uh, look, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in heritage players, if you like. So players that have Malaysian blood, if you if you know what I mean. So your Brendan Gans and your Matt Davies and Junior Ed Stools. Yep. I, I'm a big believer in, in having those players. Uh, but I'm not really in favour of uh, you know, naturalising players that don't have a, a real tie to the country. Mm. Um, talking a bit about, you know, the, I guess, the level of footballing uh, talent in, in Southeast Asia, the region, um, Working with youngsters, how do you see it as compared to, I guess, the rest of the world? I mean, obviously, Vietnam and Thailand are, you know, blueprints that most of this region would like to emulate, right? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, look, these countries that you mentioned are investing heavily in youth development. Um, for example, the AFF tournament I was just at, the under-16, I was told that um, even Cambodia have been together at this age group for several years mm. uh, in full-time environment. Um, and I know that in, as I say before, in uh, in Japan and South Korea, there's uh, heavily heavily invested in uh, youth development and 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 um, the progression of players. Um, Vietnam and, and Thailand are starting to see the rewards from that um, with their success and um, you know going a long way in World Cup qualifiers. So you know I'm sure it won't be long before. These countries are qualifying for World Cups and getting back to Malaysia, I believe, again, if, if things are managed properly and uh, and um, the right strategies are put in place, then uh, I'm sure Malaysia will qualify for a World Cup in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, we would love that for sure. Um, but, you know, bring us bring us behind the scenes. Is, is the gap closing um, in between uh, Malaysia and these countries? Look, uh, I think... Um, it's clear that Vietnam and, and, and Thailand, for example, are, um, uh, let's say, the leaders sure. at the moment. Mm. Um, the frightening thing is that your Cambodia's and uh, Myanmar, Indonesia, they're all getting better and better all the time. If I look at the sea games that we just competed in, um, some of the games I saw from the other group were unbelievable. Um, with, with uh, Vietnam and Thailand, and uh, we played Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, Myanmar, and the other groups. So, yep. um, look, there's not much of a difference. Um, everybody wants to improve, and everybody's investing in, in improving. So, um, everybody else must have, have to keep up. Mm. Um, Brad, just give us a couple of names, you know, um, standout players from your time with, you know, under 23s and under 19s. Who might Malaysians see breaking into the senior team in the near future? Um, well, obviously, the, the ones that have already achieved that, um, your Arif Aymans and your Lukmans, which yep. is great. Ajmal now is another one. Um, from this, this group that I work with this year, I think it's one of the best groups as a whole that I've worked with in the last eight years. Mm. So there's players like Hari Haikal, uh, Zikri, uh, Azrin, um, you know, there's uh, Alif Haikal, um, you know, the list goes on. So for me, 
as a complete team, this is one of the best groups I've worked with in the last eight years. Mm, so the future of Malaysian senior football is pretty much settled, isn't it? Look, I think it has a bright future. But uh, again, it must be managed correctly. Mm, for sure. Um, Brad, what are some of the lessons you can take away from your time here in Malaysia to Australia? I mean, regardless of where you are or, or who you're working with, you, you must respect your environment and, and uh, adapt to the, the culture and, and the local environment. Mm. Um, embrace uh, the local people and the uh, local, local coaches, local players. Um, and of course, you must respect the opposition, regardless of who you're playing against. Um, and I've said it before also in Southeast Asia now, pretty much any team can beat any other team on any given day. So, um, you know, you've really got to be up to the task and respect the opposition, whoever you're facing. Mm. Um, to wrap things up, uh, what are some of the highlights of your time here, your eight years? Yeah, look, definitely. Um, I mean, it was, as I say, a pleasure for me to come and work here, number one. Um, and work at a great level with great people such as Dato and Kim Sui and uh, several others. Uh, you know, I've got to meet some great friends and, and uh, close family associates, I can say, you know, over the time. Um, you know, us winning, uh, winning the silver medal in 2017 SEA Games was, was great. You know, we were very close to, to winning the gold. Unfortunately, we just got picked by Thailand. Mm. Um, I thought the, the AFC Under-23 Championships in China in 2018 was a great campaign also. Um, and the 2018 Asian Games where we beat South Korea 2-1. Mm. Um, obviously, Dr. Ong Kim Sui was the, the head coach at the time. And, um, you know, South Korea had four players who'd just come back from the Russian World Cup uh, to play for the team, including Son Hyung Meng. So... Um, to, to win that game was a massive achievement yeah. um, and one that we, we won't forget too soon. Um, so, look, there's some big, great some great memories over the years and I've uh, really thoroughly enjoyed my time here. Mm. Um, the goal for you a couple of years ago was to take charge of a professional A-League team, right, uh, back, back in Australia. Is it still a goal for you or have things changed now? Yeah, look, uh, you never say never. Um, I'm focused now on the job that I've been uh, presented, uh, looking after the under-17 national team. And, um, of course, I'll be back on home soil, home soil for the majority of the time. So, um, look, you never know. I, I enjoy working with the national team set up, mm. and, and I've been in this system for some time now. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to do that, and who knows what might happen in the future. All right, Brad. Um, what about some of your parting words and hopes for the future of Malaysian football? Look, I, I wish everybody well. Uh, as I say, I think Malaysian football has a bright future with these youngsters coming through now. Very good players, very talented, very exciting. Um, and I'll, I'll watch with interest. That was Brad Maloney, former under-23 national football team head coach who will be heading back home to Australia this weekend. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's program. If you'd like to revisit that interview with Brad, you can head over to our website, www.bfm.my. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong, and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week when you're here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.